See, this is the real secret of life, to be completely engaged with the here and now. Welcome to the Human Derek Podcast, connecting you with the seven fundamentals of life that will take you to the next level. Everybody wants to fulfill the highest, truest expression of yourself. It was all a dream. Today is about the power of you. You've now entered the Human Derek Podcast. Oh, the magics of learning new equipment. This is freaking amazing. Uh, hey, welcome to the Human Derek Podcast. This is episode one. I'm super stoked. I just recorded 73 versions of this. Okay, not 73. It's exaggeration. But really trying to figure something out, and I just figured it out. And uh, that's really a story of um, most of what's happened so far. I am someone that believes when we do things in certain ways, we get great results. A lot of folks would agree. You go and <laughs> you bake the recipe the right way. You get delicious bread. Um I decided to go a little bit extra on a few things like the setup. I mean, I've literally had some of this audio equipment for like two years, finally pulled it out of the box. But uh, you know what? That's the, that's great. So I hope you enjoyed the intro. Um, the guy that did it is based out of LA, super cool dude. I'm gonna have to get his name so I can give him a plug and a shout out on a future episode. Uh, by the way, this first intro, I don't think all the intros are going to go this way. In fact, I, I believe they won't, but let me give you a little bit of background, how we got here, what we're doing, what to expect. And I'm super happy to be doing this. I don't know if one person's going to listen to it or a million people, but just the, it's so much fun. I decided about five or 10 minutes ago when I was redoing, uh, recording this, trying to figure out why there's noise in the background, that this is way more fun than Bumble and Hinge and dating in general. So uh, I don't know, who knows, maybe I'm not going to put it out there. It's going to jinx it, but it's definitely a lot more exciting than uh, quarantine dating in California, especially Southern California. It's so weird. Uh, it's like, let's go to the beach with our masks on. Anyways, that's controversial. I just lost like half my audience right there. But uh, welcome to the show. And uh, this is an intro. So if you're new to podcasts, a little music at the front. Uh, I'm going to give you a brief overview of the guest today. And then we got a sponsor. Some crazy company said, uh, Derek, we'd love to participate in what you're doing. And I'm like, all right, wait a second. You know, I'm probably going to say some stuff that people are going to be like, what did that guy just say? Uh, and they're like, yeah, that's cool. They didn't actually agree to that, but I just kind of figured they know me well enough. So um, they seem to be okay with it. But uh, hopefully everything I say makes sense. In fact, I am going to talk about that a little bit because this first episode, um, one is, and this is not an excuse, but it's it's just the fact that my brain has been off a little bit. Uh, here and there and feels really great right now by the way but like I made a statement about vitamin D that is just not accurate um, I just like blurted off some headline I probably picked up somewhere but I didn't get to the actual details um, and it's just a, a misquote and so before you even listen to this just know that uh, the statement I make about vitamin D and getting it from the sun um, there's more details there's more layers to that about the type of vitamin D and how it works and different people absorbing it. And so lesson learned. These first, I have a couple episodes, three episodes recorded. I'm going to work to roll them all out at the same time. Um, so this intro is being recorded after the fact, but 
I do believe you will see between episode one, episode two, and episode three, a drastic improvement of the kind of clarity of the conversation and actually just how I sound for for one. Um, This is not a testament to the guests at all because Dr. Rachel, who's in this first episode, she is such an incredible person. I can't wait to talk about her here in a moment too. And you're going to hear just how intelligent she is, um, how much she cares about what she does. And she is someone that I have just a tremendous amount of faith in as, as a person that helps other people live their best lives. Um, she's based out of San Diego, out of Pacific Beach, San Diego, as of the time of this recording, although I could picture her having some mega empire, uh, you know, facility for just like human optimization. Uh, anyways, just, you know, the uh, because of the equipment and it was a learning process and I didn't want to stall anymore and wait to put out just quote unquote, the most perfect thing. And I finally took my own advice and just started doing it. So um, she sounds really great on the microphone. My microphone sounds a little bit off. If it sounds like I'm in a cave as you're listening to this, hey, appreciate you sticking through it. If you don't stick all the way through it, uh, I don't know, fast forward through my parts, get to her information because she's got some solid stuff. Uh, a little bit of background about her. She she battled Lyme disease. Uh, in fact, I, mean, I don't think we really even, we started to talk about it, but we didn't talk about what it actually was that she's battled throughout her life. So she battled Lyme disease, kicked its ass. Um, super incredible. She's coming out of the book pretty soon. Super close to finishing it. It's a project she's been working on for a while. And she's just an all around great person. So you'll get to hear and listen to her in the episode um, about this sponsor too. So we'll talk about the sponsor uh, first episode, you know, hope you enjoy it if you're listening to this and uh, you know what kind of person I am. It's, it's a Derek thing. We get into some cool conversations, ask some questions, but um, we were also on a bit of a time crunch. So uh, you'll see some of the future, future episodes are a lot longer. Um, so anyways, let's get into the episode. So, oh, sponsor. What crazy company said, yeah, you can put our name on your podcast. We're okay with that. Um, It's a coffee company. It's a coffee company that I really like. I've been drinking their coffee for um, actually years. Super cool. So they're called Guadalupe Roastery, uh, based out of, well, that's a good question. Where are they based out of? I could have done my research a little more. I want to say Wisconsin, but I could be wrong. Brad uh, Fossbender, the guy that uh, owns the company and runs it, just a super cool dude. Um, I've had their subscription to the Brazilian coffee. Go figure. If you have ever heard me talk for five minutes in the last six years, probably mentioned Brazil in that conversation. Lived there for a while, had a really big impact on my life. Why do I like this coffee company? One, it's just delicious. I like coffee. I drink a lot of coffee. Um, I actually recently switched my coffee routine. I I generally did not touch any caffeine until I finished my morning workout. Now I started drinking it um, right after I wake up and I go through my, you know, like meditation, prayer exercise I have in the morning. Um, I drink my coffee before I get in my workout. That's been an interesting change and I, I like it. So we'll see what happens. I wasn't too sure before it would 
impact. Like I feel like I had a different outcome from my kind of mental management. Um, but it's really, my body's really starting to like it. So anyways, enough about that. This is about the coffee company, Guadalupe coffee. What's special about them other than it's a really great person that runs the company, um, other than they have Brazilian coffee, those are really good things, but there's some technical terms. And if you're a super big, like coffee, uh, connoisseur, well, I know a couple things, but I wouldn't classify myself as an expert by any means. In fact, I can't even taste bitter. I don't have the taste buds, so can't even tell you. Uh, and now here I am going to hit this coffee is really good, even though I can't taste bitter. So uh, it's good for my palate. You might have to try it and find out for yourself. But uh, um, they just really take care of their people and not just the people that work here in the U.S., but when they work with farmers and the people that grow the beans, uh, they give back to the communities, the you know the places where the beans come from, and that's huge. The impact that we have on the world, on the people around us. So I'm I'm a huge fan of of what they're doing. You know, there's things like single source. There's all the technical terms. You could look it up. In fact, you could just go to their website, and you actually get a discount if you decide you want to go. You know, that guy Derek know what he's talking about. He can't even taste bitter, and he's giving me recommendations for coffee. You know what? You might you might hate it. I have no idea. Maybe you'll like it. I hope you'll like it. But I guess you won't know unless you try it. You get a you get a discount um, for punching the name Derek in there. So there's a little code when you check out. It says uh, discount code, and you just type in Derek D E R E K. They give you a ten percent off. Um, I think on anything. I don't know. Yeah, probably got your phone on you right now. Just punch it in Guadalupe Roastery. I'm sure if you just go to the Google and you get most of the word Guadalupe right and spelling and then you type in roastery, it'll pop up. Um, Super cool company. So, hey, guys, thanks for participating in this uh, very early stage of something that has been a lot of fun so far. And uh, without further ado, here we go with Dr. Rachel Hamill, episode one. Again, remember I know the audio is a little off on on me speaking, but she's got some really quality stuff. So could be something in here that sparks a life-changing thought or um, helps you in your human journey to uh, have more energy, feel better about life, or perhaps pursue something that um, you didn't know was, was possible. Welcome on into the studio. <laughs> <laughs> for our first episode, and actually, it's not really our technically it's our, the first published episode, but uh, we've recorded an episode before, which is pretty fun. We've been talking about doing this for a couple of years. We got started with mm-hmm. one time with a little phone, and we just never really uh, put it all the way out there. But it's nice to have you here today, and yeah. uh, so we've been friends now for a couple of years. So this is Dr. Rachel Hamill. And uh, really nice to have you on here. Now, <clears throat> one of my favorite things when I when I tell people about you or I describe you is I call you a wizard and I call you magical. <laughs> You've got little notifications. People like your wizard Google review. But how about this? Let's start off and, and share you know, what it is that you uh, do and, and uh, yeah. who you are. Yeah. Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, it's always fun to converse with you and chat and talk about 
things that sometimes people don't talk about. Um, but yes, I'm uh, Dr. Rachel Hamill, and uh, my, I guess you could say, degree is in chiropractic, but my calling is in so many different things regarding that. So uh, first and foremost, my biggest, uh, I guess you could say, niche or my focus is on mending and healing the brain. So there's so many different facets that you can do that. Um, there's ways you can work on the environment of the brain, which is, first of all, what I do in my processes. Uh, the second is you can work on chemically balancing the brain and the neurological system in the body. And then uh, third is taking away any mindsets, any mentalities, um, any emotional or spiritual blocks that are block blocking a person from ultimately getting freedom in their brain and their thinking and the way that their body works. Uh, so, you know, your brain is your number one asset. So if you, you can't think clearly, if you can't, if you sabotage everything, or if you can't, you know, get out of a pattern like pain, then it really limits someone and the capacity that they can do. So that's kind of all encompassing. It's hard to fully explain what I do, but it all encompasses on just facilitating someone else's own healing by making their body uh, work at a higher, more optimal level. That is one that's a lot of information <laughs> and I kind of break it down because, yeah. you know, the first thing you say is I'm, I'm trained as a chiropractor, where most people mm -hmm. hear the word chiropractor, they think of that like rice crispy sure. cereal, snap, crackle, pop. Yeah. Crack and, and neck. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, <clears throat> my own personal experience with you in terms of that, I do a lot mm -hmm. of stuff, you know, I'm super hard on my body, whether it's yeah. going and bending some things in jujitsu or just running myself into the ground because I love to maximize life. But, you know, you've, uh, there's so much more, I mean, emotion, that's not something you hear a lot of chiropractors talk about, yeah. breaking down mindset and emotions. Like, I, there's a term called quantum neurology. Quantum physics. Quantum physics. Yeah. Yeah, so is that where quantum neurology comes from? So, so tell me a little bit about uh, just like... It's know, a little bit different, but I'll kind of tell you. So um, actually in chiropractic history, uh, within the history of our profession, chiropractors actually started treating like the sickest of the sick people. So one of the first chiropractic patients was actually a man that was deaf. And he gained um, his hearing from a chiropractic adjustment. So we kind of started as physicians that would treat so many different cases from mental conditions to pain to whatever. And then fast forward like 20, 30 years, uh, and then insurance came on the front. And when insurance came on the front, then we had to give these diagnoses uh, so that people could be covered by insurance. And unfortunately, when that came about, then we started being labeled as just the spine physicians, um, kind of more just the pain in the back people. Um, but that's not really where our history started from. It started as we, uh, in our being, in our neurology, how God made us, we are designed to heal. And we want to heal. We're always striving to find balance in our body, no matter what it is. But you have to have um, sometimes a facilitation to take away something, take any energy of the body that's not allowing it to be able to heal. So yes, chiropractic can be powerful for pain and removal of pain, but that's actually not where it started because when the body is more in a state of balance, then it, you can actually give some of that energy for other sections. 
But when it's so much as energy is depleted versus like an injury or something like that, then there's no way that that energy is going to come and be able to facilitate some other type of healing in their body. So, um, you know, that's kind of the history. Unfortunately, now we are labeled as kind of the pain spine people because that's what we get covered in insurance. That's one reason I actually don't take insurance because I don't want to be limited in what I can provide for someone. Um, but there's so many facets when you start healing someone's neurology and you start taking stuff up. There's really no limitations as to how much a person can heal. And emotional, I mean, we're pretty much emotional beings. We're just in the physical world. So you can say, you know, how many people go to their normal position and say, oh, you know, you're stressed. This is just due to stress. Well, that's all good and well, but what does that mean for someone? Maybe they can't really meditate and pray. They can't calm their mind. They can't do other things. What resources do they have to be able to facilitate stress? And that's where there's a big gap. And even in my profession, um, like people don't want to go there. And it's like, well, that's fine if that's not part of your calling, but you have to still um, acknowledge that that's there or else you're actually limiting what you can provide for your patient. So and that's not for everyone. Not every physician wants to go into that, but it's such a huge vital part of healing. When you're, you're saying things too that, you know, I know if I walked into a, a big uh, medical facility and started talking to a doctor, they're mm-hmm. usually, you know, most often, I guess there are, there are exceptions certain certain practices. Yeah, there's some awesome functional medicine doctors for sure. Well, even just what you're talking about with like, uh, like you wove God in there and, uh, you know, different facets of of healing, meditate and praying. A lot of people that even, you know, start to talk about God, they don't say meditate and pray. Those are two separate things. So Mm -hmm. one of my personal favorite things about you over the years getting to know you is that while we have, uh, arguably very different yeah. systems for living life. You're, you're very open-minded. How do you, how do you approach that with clients when they come in and you talk about praying or meditating or, or God? Yeah. So it's not, um, I mean, you know, God leads me for, with the people, but it's not always something that initially someone will come in and you know, open that door. It's usually, you know, the right timing. And some people I don't. Um, people want to see results, <laughs> you know, that being in the business world, yeah. like people want results. It doesn't matter what business you're in. <laughs> so when you provide someone with healing in my profession, no matter what it is, um, they're hungry for more. They're hungry for more. Like, how did that happen? How did that go? And, you know, sometimes that is the gateway or the door for me to be able to say, okay, Hey, like, yes, we took off some of these layers And some of this is gone, but let's actually get to a deeper root to make sure that doesn't come back or make sure that we're not just kind of skimming the surface and taking away these symptoms and you're in here every week because I don't want to see people every week. Not that I don't love people, but I want them to be empowered to know why their body is functioning that way. What can they do on their own? How can they um, optimize their body to be able to do that on a daily basis? Um. So it's kind of just interweaved in, you know, some of my great mentors said, <laughs> people follow results, like be really good at what you're doing. And that's just what I've done. That's what I've cultivated. I've really crafted my craft. And that tends to open the door for people to have their thoughts and brain expanded as to, oh my gosh, like 
I was settling for how I felt, like I was settling for just walking in this pain or this dysfunction or whatever it is. Um, and then I can kind of weave into, you know, praise God, like, you know, he's really the one that facilitates the healing. So. Well, you're saying there too, in terms of, uh, I come out of your practice, your office sometimes literally feeling like a a different person Mm -hmm. that I went in there. So, you know, when people follow results and chiropractors in general, you know, I'll talk to someone and say, oh, she's a chiropractor. And sometimes they're kind of like, oh. Yeah. You know, dug a big hole. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, we put these labels on things as people in in general. So I I think it's interesting your backstory to me, because I know you have a a book that you're working on and a few other things. And so tell me a little bit about, uh, I mean, how you got here, your history. Sure. You know, I I know a lot about it, but I'd love to. Can you expand on it? Yeah, so, um, you know, as most of us alternative doctors, it's usually our own health journey that gets us to where we're at. Um, and when I was about 19, I uh, came down with a chronic uh, disease, a chronic infection. We didn't know it at that time, but um, I was bedridden for two years, uh, went through the whole Western medicine route, trying to find answers, um, got sicker, 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 sicker. And then it was with the help of a chiropractor and a naturopath who actually just started asking deeper questions. And it wasn't anything specifically like I had this huge chiropractic moment of, oh my gosh, this, you know, adjustment, not like when he got his hearing, but it was like, oh, wow, you're seeing this in a different way. Um, And you're seeing this in a, you're thinking outside the box of what I had. And so, um, at that point, you know, I started seeing some natural health practitioners, a chiropractor and a naturopath and got the right testing to diagnose what I had. But then at that point, which is how I help guide people now, is a diagnosis is just a diagnosis. Um, that wasn't it. Um, and people take it on. They take on the diagnosis. And unfortunately, that's what I did for many years until I started breaking down limitations there. But um started seeing natural health providers, started uh, actually starting to rebuild a little bit of myself of what Western medicine was depriving. And that took over a decade to heal some things there. Um, And then I got maybe like about 40% better in how I was feeling. And at that time, um, I was going to go into pre-med, but seeing that side, I was like, I don't want a part of that. But I loved helping people. Um, I loved science. I loved medicine. And so um, I went back and I got my bachelor's, mind you, was still really ill, but I knew I got to learn. I got to do something to figure out what else, what are the other parts of this? Because I've kind of maxed out what is here for me. Um, So when I finished my bachelor's in health science and then I went on to go to chiropractic school and honestly, it was first initially for my interest in nutritional stuff. Um, But once I got to chiropractic school, I met one of my mentors who opened up my mind uh, about the world of craniopathy, which is just a fancy word for uh, moving the bones of the head, (laughs) the skull bones. Uh, So he started helping me, and I've had so many mentors now, which I'm so thankful for. But he started opening my mind really about brain and neurology. And um, when you have a diagnosis, you tend to attribute all symptoms to that diagnosis. Like, oh, I have a headache, it must be this. Oh, I'm tired, it must be this. Oh, I have, you know. So he started saying, well, you know, this this you have learned in school, 
But then he opened my mind to like so many other facets of that. And when he first started treating me and I started feeling completely different, um, I was like, oh my gosh, this really isn't from my diagnosis. This is from something completely different. Um, How was he treating you exactly? He was doing uh, craniopathy work. So craniopathy is a combination of chiropractic manipulations um, and uh, traditional osteopathy, which is uh, cranial manipulations. So... Snapping the head around. No, no. Most of the craniopathy work that we do is in the mouth. And okay. it's moving the small micro movements in the mouth to take pressure off of the brain and create a better balance in the environment of the cranial bones. Absolutely. But it's all connected. So the reason chiropractic part is so important is because the body talks to one another, everything connects to one another. So if I just treated the head, I might miss some other things that are going on down the line and vice versa. Um, so he, he started opening my mind about that. He started teaching me about emotions and how those were affecting my body. Um, and then I met so many other brilliant people along that journey as far as nutritional stuff that I had no idea about. Um, and that just planted the seed, you know, that planted the seed. I studied under him, uh, for three years. I (laughs) did my time, (laughs) uh, but I learned so much. And I kind of took that and ran with it. And I was like, okay, these are the foundations of what I've learned, but how do I make that my own and separate it? But also how do I add onto that and make that better? Because that's always what you want to do with a skill is you want to take a skill, but you also want to add onto that and make it better and better and ultimately help more people. So when you talk about emotions mm-hmm. and combining you know, craniopathy and the things you're doing with emotions and the, the mouth manipulation, which I freaking love. <laughs> but I know you say people don't like the process of it. I think it yeah. feels amazing. Uh, you know, one of the, the things I'm really big on talking to people about health and I think in general is that like hot yoga for me, mm-hmm. when I go through that, I know I really push myself. There are moments where I can feel those emotional releases. Sure. Some are, are much powerful much more powerful than others. Some are, uh, you know, obviously not as powerful, but so how is it that, is that part of what you're talking about? Like emotional release or working through emotions? What do you really mean by that? It can go both ways. So sometimes when there's so many layers with a person, there's no way I would go right into emotional work because <laughs> okay. it's deep. It's deep in there. Yeah. It's, it's hidden. There's layers, but when we start, so if we view the body as an energy system, and we're all energetic, our heart beating, our nervous system firing, if you've ever seen the EKG, it's electric, we're electric, we're energy. Um, and when someone has so much energy deprivation, just say structurally in their body, and we start to free up that energy, guess what starts to happen? some of those other areas where the energy has not been there to deal with start coming to the surface because the brain's like, okay, cool. You know, I have um, like a a practical example. Sure. So, uh, someone comes in and, um, I'll give you a couple different examples. So someone comes in and they're say struggling with, um, headaches. Okay. Okay. And I do my thing, I release the body, I get up to the head and we start releasing some of this tension in the head, okay? They leave my table, they feel light, they feel relaxed. 
they come back in the next week and they say, man, I don't know what happened, but like, um, people aren't annoying me as much. <laughs> like I'm not as frustrated uh, with my boss. Wow. Um, you know, things just don't really bug me as much. And I'm like, that's awesome because more energy was freed up that was able to like handle that type of situation a little bit better. Yeah. Okay. Or what can happen is what I see in a lot of head trauma cases is some of these traumas are very emotional, whether it's an accident or sometimes abuse or, you know, a traumatic accident to the head. And I do cranial work and literally on my table, they just start weeping and emotions start coming out. And it's just a huge, like, emotional energy. It's a huge shift. And the body just it kind of dumps in a way. And it like and we call it like an emotional detox where you just dump it out. Um, and so it can kind of go either way. But we actually hold emotions in different areas of our body. Um, and that's in so much research. We have so much research of emotions and, and how the body functions. Like the liver holds anger and frustration. Uh, the stomach holds anxiety. And so when people get anxious, they say, I have butterflies in my stomach. Um, the lungs hold grief. So you see people like this in grief and sadness. Um, and so if you miss some of the emotional part, you can end up chasing a symptom forever. And it's never physical because that's where they're holding something. Hmm. So you're, from hearing this right, you're saying that physical pain, d- distress, physical disease, right? Dis-ease mm-hmm. comes sometimes from an actual event, an emotional event. And by, yeah. uh, let's say that, you know, what's the myofascia stuff, like when you break it up and you feel that little like, oh, yeah. it felt good. So when massages your shoulder and you're like, that feels amazing. Yes. That, from doing the emotional work and, and essentially breaking that up and freeing it, you can heal physical disease yeah it's an energy chain it's a shift and see i I feel like if i walked into johns hopkins or something like that and said that they would say please get out of here (laughs) but you practice this every day yeah and i think there's a difference too of um you know well first of all to answer your question this type of work doesn't make money for them (laughs) how do they market that you know, they want somebody's healed, they don't need to come back or... Well, also, how do they market that? That doesn't come in a pill or an injection or a surgery. Yeah. So that's that's not a that's not a moneymaker, unfortunately. Um, and there's some wonderful... I don't mean to talk down on Western medicine. There's some really wonderful functional medicine practitioners. And if people are looking for answers, find a functional medicine practitioner who looks at root causes of stuff. But in general, our medical system is set up not for healing people it's set up to make people and continue to make them feel sick well and that was, that was one of the most surprising things i remember in some of our first meetings mm-hmm. when i first came to see you is i've been to chiropractors after car accidents before and it was like all right here's your prescription yeah for seeing me three times a week for the sure. next eight months and let's put on the insurance and when i was booking with you it was something like uh you know come back next month or something i was like wait uh don't you have a business to run like how is that profitable <laughs> But it, you're not somebody that, uh, you know, once I left, I felt great for a while. And coming back, it wasn't really a, yeah. uh, 
a necessity. It was more of a maintenance or even like pre-healing, preventive. Sure. I would say. Yeah, every case is different. I mean, obviously, we go by the research of how long it takes to change a brain pattern or to change a pain pattern. We do have that in research, and I don't neglect that. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of uh, chiropractors have kind of dug that hole. Like, you know, you need to see someone, and I've had someone come in, and they've had the same symptom uh, for a year, and they've seen someone two times a week for a year, and I'm just like, why are they doing that? doesn't make sense. Um, so unfortunately in our profession as well, we have to kind of dig ourselves out of that too, but it does take someone who really educates their people. Um, like I want someone to know why they're experiencing this pain and I want to dig up that root and I want them to be responsible for it. I want to help you give you tools, but I also want you to actually know and listen to um, how it's feeling, why it's feeling that way. Like I want to connect them, you know, to that. Um, and so they're not just rushing like, oh my gosh, like this is what's happening. This, it, nothing gives me more joy than when a patient tells me what's going wrong with them. <laughs> they're like, Dr. Hamill, like, uh, yeah, you know, or they'll text me or, or they'll message me or they'll email me and they're like, yeah, you know, I have this friend and they're experiencing this and I told them to do this. I'm like, yes! Even that, I think of being a teenager and I remember going to a a doctor and describing what I was experiencing and then kind of writing it off. Mm -hmm. And so I I can imagine like, what you just is really surprising to me and I've, I've talked to so many people about this that because there are things like hypochondria, Sure. Or folks describing things in a certain way, or maybe seeking prescriptions at doctors and in some regards, not all of them, they're kind of trained to not necessarily take what somebody's saying and go, okay, that's the absolute truth because sure. there are all these other factors. And uh, so they kind of go in with their own agenda. I had that happen with my with a knee, with a knee injury I had. The doctor was amazing, head of this big medical facility, UC Davis, super great guy. And, uh, you know, we go in there and I had a snowboarding accident and I was like, here's what mm-hmm. I think is wrong. But I'm also very in tune with my sure. body. And, and, uh, and, you know, he suggested an x-ray and I said, I really don't think it's a bone thing. I'm pretty sure it's a tendon thing. And he was, and, uh, essentially he let me bypass it and I ended up being like, ended up not getting surgery, like all these things. But his first path was just kind of down this road of here are the steps versus what is this person saying? Yeah. Matching it up with what I know and, and figuring out the best path forward. So it's it's really interesting to hear someone who, from a healing perspective, is like, I think listening. That's what I'm hearing is I think listening. Oh is my really gosh! Important. Within our culture, within our society, the way we've been raised, as far as the inability for people to think for themselves, is so many facets that we're attacked with. So. Um, I tell people one of the biggest like rewards and strengths you can have is actually just listening to your intuition. You know, I believe that's God, but it's being more in tune with that intuitive. Like if something stirs in your heart or your gut or your spirit with something inside, listen to that. Don't push it down. Um, But I think it's been pushed down in so many different facets and that's probably a whole nother conversation. But uh (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's really empowering when someone can actually 
say, no, you know, that, that doesn't really feel right to me or, you know, I trust your expertise, but I'm also going to do my own research. Do your own research, people. Do your own research. Even my patients do a ton of research. Really intelligent patients. <laughs> You, yeah. Um, and I love it. Oh my gosh, but I love to be challenged. Because I, um, I come in there with my list. All right, here's all the research I did. And you're like, ah. Yeah, there's a part where you have to kind of reel it in because uh, it can get a little excessive. But um, I mean, it's it's just a beautiful thing to see people free thinking and educating or really diving into the research, especially with this past year. And just diving in and being like, that doesn't really make sense. Let me look at this another way. Um, and so that's that's awesome for me to help people walk that out. Yeah, since you brought that up this past year, what a fascinating time for medicine, for people, for accountability. I mean, we haven't really touched on it mm-hmm. uh, too much, but what are some things that people, the conversation now, at least from, from what I've seen is, and I've, I've been traveling all over the last couple, Sure. Some people thought it was pretty irresponsible. Some people were totally okay with it. I mean, I went to uh, two weddings in December. Sure. Uh, recently, a, a funeral, but, uh, Thanksgiving, these things. And, and across the U.S., different states have been uh, reacting, which is kind of a sad thing because we've known about it for almost a year now. Yeah. We're still reactive versus proactive, but yeah. handling it very differently. And I've had people here, you know, we live near the ocean, very mm-hmm. fortunate. So, and I know walking down by the ocean, having tourists be here and, and someone saying, hey, how am I supposed to behave here? So mm-hmm. we're almost a year into this and there's no general consensus. And here is what people uh, should be doing. Can sure. be doing. I mean, obviously, there's the mask topic, but sure. just in terms of personal health, things like vitamin D or zinc that you, you can't get from the sun, by the way, because there's different types of vitamin D. Mm-hmm. So what are some things that that you believe at this point that should just be non-negotiable, that people should know or should be practicing to keep themselves healthy during these times? Yeah, so I think the first thing that people need to know is um, this definitely exists. It's a virus, okay? But we're made of billions and billions of viruses. Uh, We're made of viruses, we're made of bacteria, we're made of fungal, funguses, um, we're made of some parasites, like we're we're made of a lot of things. And yes, it's newer in the environment, absolutely. But something that actually we're integrally made of and made with, we cannot hide from, okay? So in that sense, we say, okay, so we know that we're made of billions of viruses and we know there's gonna be more viruses in the environment, that's just the way the world is. the biggest way someone can help themselves is to make them more adaptable, okay? Because our environment is always changing, not only emotionally, but also toxicity-wise in our environment, radiation and pollution, our food and all that other stuff. So what determines if a person is susceptible to something or not, or severity or not, will determine how well their body can adapt to anything in their environment. So, adaptability, as soon as you say that, I don't think just biological, but I think mentally, emotionally, what you're talking about. So what what does that mean to you to be adaptable? So being adaptable means first for an internal environment, you have to make sure that you have all of the building blocks to be able to adapt. So 
if someone walking into a situation and say they're exposed to a virus um, has a ton of stress at home, uh, works 80 hours a week, uh, doesn't eat good quality whole foods and eats a lot of sugar and processed foods. This is America. So you're talking about <laughs> being in America. Those three things, working a lot, home stress life, bad food. I mean, that's the American dream. No, no it's about <laughs> quality of life, yeah. you know. Um, you know, there, there's so many other facets that you can look at. Do they exercise? Do they move their body? Do they get something like chiropractic or, or some alternative care to help make their body more optimal? Um, those are things that we look at overall to see how adaptable a person is. And when you're more adaptable, then you don't have as much fear of something like a virus because you know that, I mean, it's out in the environment. It's here, it's gonna be here. And yes, there are definitely people within different communities and elderly and different age groups that are more susceptible like any virus. Um, so really the topic should have been, how do we make people healthy? Not how do we seclude them and, and make them fearful and fear infections and fear people, fear each other. Mm -hmm. My gosh, fear each other. How do we actually instill health in someone so that they can adapt for the next virus or for the, whatever it is? Because we're made to adapt. That's just how our body works. So you didn't hear that very much in the media. You didn't hear that very much in the world this last year as far as how do we keep healthy? Well, start changing and making good healthy habits. Um, start changing the way and what you're consuming in your body. Food can either heal you or it can harm you. It can be fuel or it can deplete your fuel. Um, it can be nutritious or it can be toxic. Um, other ways is we have to move our body. We no. have to. On the nutrition thing, I, mm -hmm. I want to get into the movement too, absolutely. I know people that drink soda all day long, eat ice cream before dinner, mm -hmm. which I just did the other day with a really <laughs> great group of people. We were waiting to go to sushi, and there was a cold stone and cheesecake place next door. Mm -hmm. And we went in, and I was like, getting cheesy for dinner this is kind of cool none of us felt good about it afterwards <laughs> by the way but we just kind of did it but, yeah. and they just they seem to have everything you know some folks in particular that can do this be like machines and, and for what period have. of time though ah yeah I, some I think honestly decades they could but i think one of my passions as well is for like millennials and younger generations because uh -huh. Um, I had a different story because I was obviously very ill, very young. And so I had to change a lot of habits, yeah. but in general, the younger generation, you know, they're, they're just living their wild free life and they don't really feel anything because their body's so much better at adapting to things, but you add that on and you add that on and you add that on and you add that on. And then they get to this age where stuff just starts kind of crumbling and it's like, well, Okay, but let's look at more longevity of your life because you only have one vehicle, which is your body. And if you didn't take care of that vehicle, like you had a car, if you didn't change the oil, if you didn't take care of it, is that vehicle going to last your whole life? If you have one vehicle to last your whole life, how well would you take care of it? You don't want to beat broken down car when you're in your 40s and 50s. And that's unfortunately what happens when 
there isn't enough focus on, hey, like actually what you're doing now matters. Mm -hmm. Because if you want to get to those goals that you're working so hard for, you're getting your degree, you're working these long hours. If you want that to like actually be happy (laughs) when you get there, you got to start thinking and taking care of yourself now. Well, and it, it seems like there's so much diversity terms of what mm-hmm. is good for someone may not be good for another person you know peanut allergies that it seems to be a a newer phenomenon for for humans in general it's not yeah. something that really existed a while ago there's people that talk about oh it's the mold the uh, mycotoxins i think they're called mycotoxins mycotoxin, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but uh I, I remember reading a study you know in the last few years out of the uk that you have to go pretty soon too no, not yet. I don't okay. think that actually the, um, oh, yeah, it's on. Oh, it's We're on good. the 24 hour clock. Yeah, <laughs> a little international action. Nice. <laughs> uh, but uh, they uh, uh, basically said they were curing, and I don't know, cure is a strong word, it's maybe a different word, but basically defeating peanut allergies by injecting these allergens into mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Looking at some of these folks that just seem to be machines that are consuming really strong stuff, whereas I know I'm, I'm very sensitive. If I have some soda or things like that, like I can just feel it more in terms of how it impacts my, my brain and my emotions. Sure. So what do you think factors into to an individual, you know, knowing themselves? Or- well, just on the outside, too, they may look like a machine and they may be getting stuff done. <laughs> but it doesn't necessarily they mean they feel as optimal as they could. Mm. Um, you know, what does their home look, home life look like? Um, like, are they sleeping through the night? What's their energy? Um, how do they feel about how they look or, or, you know, there's so many different factors there that, um, just, or, or someone that's really thin, you know, someone that's really thin doesn't mean they're healthy. There's a stigma there. Uh, so, you know, there's so many different facets to health and just cause someone gets something done doesn't mean that they're necessarily uh, taking care of their temple mm-hmm. and healing it the way it needs to be healed to actually enjoy once you get to that goal. <laughs> yeah. um, but all that is to say is just, you know, all this past year, it, it hasn't really, there's been a huge gap in the health part of people. And Yes, nutrition is one. Yes, getting outside and breathing oxygen is one. You have to breathe. Masks do not promote oxygen. (laughs) And they actually don't prevent the viruses. Viruses are too small particles. They pass through the mask. So you're basically just breathing in your own mouth bacteria. That's controversial. I'm going to get some kickback for that for sure. Uh, So we need oxygen. We need air. Uh, We need natural light. Yeah. Uh, we need our, our eyes and our brain respond to natural light. Get up every morning and just go look at the sun or look uh-huh. at the sky. Um, breathe oxygen. Uh, we need movement. We're meant to move. We're, um, and I know this past year we're blessed because a lot of businesses were able to be um, virtual. Yeah. But that also comes with health limitations. Um, you're not moving. You're not getting outside. You're around radiation and technology a lot. And so it's it's everything has to be um moderation as far as if you're doing that then you're going to ask your body to adapt to that can it adapt to that well did you give it the building blocks to adapt to that another reason in in movement you know i have a fairly diverse group of people in my life so some folks 
can go out and run a marathon. Mm-hmm. And then some, the idea, I mean, I had some people come visit me and we just walked down to visit the seals, which is a mile and a half way. And sure. I didn't think much of it. I'm like, oh, let's just walk down. It's not worth the drive and finding parking. And we get down there and help them. We're exhausted. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how much movement can someone do and still kind of get by or what's necessary? Again, does that come back to more individual diversity? Is it that if I just walked around for 10 minutes, that's a big deal? Um, well, everybody has different... Um a different biochemistry. So actually there are different movements. There's actually different types of exercise that stimulate different parts of the brain, which is really interesting. Um, So with movement for individuals, um, what I tend to start with people of if they haven't been moving is just move. So what gives you joy when you move? Like, let's just start walking. Let's start, you know, whatever it is, uh, lay on your floor and do some kicks with your feet, whatever it is, (laughs) move your butt. Yeah. you know, whatever it is, um, we just want to start making a goal, okay? And so when we start moving, because uh, movement moves around and gets so much stuff out of our body, it increases the endorphins, it increases something called brain-derived neurotropic factor in our brain, lots of big oh, benefits big for the brain, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but exercise also can be depleting. So like someone that's... Uh, um, a uh, fitness like addict uh, or even sometimes athletes exercise is vital movement is vital but you also have to know that exercise is um, stress a form of stress so once we build a muscle or we stress it in some way then some of that tissue has to come in and heal and if you do a repetitive movement or repetitive action and you don't give rest you don't give nutrients where it's needed, you don't properly hydrate, you don't properly dress, then that also starts to break down tissue and deplete someone's energy. So it's all, it's, um, the the thing I can say the most is I would love someone to move at least 30 minutes a day. Something. I'd love more than that. Like I move all day. Um, but I think it's better to move small amounts during the day than just to sit all day and then go do a workout for an hour and then go to bed. Amen. <laughs> and, uh, we're talking about stress too. It's, I remember learning about this. There's actually two types of stress. There's good stress and bad stress. Mm-hmm. Good and bad is, you know, whatever. Sure. But there's distress, which is worry and fear, which we've talked about. And I, I think fear is personally one of the biggest killers of, of being a human in general, whether sure. it's happiness or health. Um, so there's, there's distress, not healthy stress, overloaded, not mm-hmm. planning ahead, mm-hmm. not facing the things you're supposed to face. All of those things can create that kind of stress. Then there's new stress, which is a healthy stress. It's challenges. It's sure. the extra push-up. It's the extra five minutes on the walk. And sure. so, um, but there is a, a factor there because if it's, not enough, it's not going to have an impact. If it's too much, it's too much. So it seems like, yeah, you know I mean? I'm not a huge fan of the <laughs> balance or moderation or all those things because I do believe that the more we push ourselves, the more we can. Sure. You know. And I mean, that kind of comes from like a coaching athletic perspective of, you know, you always want to push someone a little bit past their limit to make them grow. And I'm not saying push your limit, but my example there was like, you'll find people that like literally just want to like 
do crushing workouts like for hours and hours and they're Mm -hmm. in the gym for like three to four hours yeah and when you think about it that way it's like that's a lot that's a lot of stress on your body when you're doing hardcore stuff for that long of a period of time but i do believe when you come into the movement part when you come into um the exercise part yeah, absolutely. We want to be dynamic. The brain loves dynamic. It loves moving differently. If someone's moving the same way all the time, you're not going to challenge it. It likes to be challenged. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you can do a little bit more, if you can do a different type of movement. So I like going to classes where I do different things almost every single day. Um, and then I get really good at something. <laughs> and then I they change it and I'm really bad at something and I'm like, okay, well that's challenging my brain. So, um, you know, the biggest thing I can say is just dynamic movement. So do different things. It's great if you get good at something, but then challenge it with something else. Um, so that you don't get comfortable and you settle in that comfort and then you just build one muscle basically. Um, dynamic movement is always key and that's actually the best thing you can do for your brain get you in one of these hot yoga classes. Hey, so I know that uh, a little anti your belief system will get you in there one time. So uh, you probably have to go pretty soon because I, I know there's just two more things I, I wanted to pick your brain on. And, and one is because I uh, know you have your your book coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, let's just let's just talk about that for a minute. Sure. I don't want to put it out there too much because it's still a work in process, but it seems it's getting like close. Getting close. Okay. Talk a little bit about your book and why, how, when. Yeah. So, um, as you can tell, listeners can probably hear, I do a lot in my practice. Um, and God put it on my heart, like almost two and a half years ago to write a book. And I know it's honestly just the beginning. There's going to be other things. Um, but I needed a way to, because I, I get so many emails, I get so many questions every week um, of people just looking for answers. And I can only see so many people in a week. And I believe that I have been gifted tools and ways to help people. And so I've been trying to put all of this knowledge in a book that makes sense. <laughs> and that's easily readable. But also people feel empowered to be their own doctor. Um, and so, um, as you can guess, it's all about the brain. Um, it's all about enhancing the brain, optimizing the brain. Um, it goes through the three different tiers of healing the body, which is basically how I run my practice, which is taking away any mechanical stress off the body. Um, I talk a lot about airway and cranial work and stuff like that. Cause that's what I focus on a lot. The second tier is, um, Uh, enhancing any chemical issues in the body so that the brain and neurological system, like what's optimal for the brain was optimal for the body. How do we customize that for someone? Um, And then the last part is more uh, mindset, emotional, spiritual breakers that limit someone uh, from healing. So yeah, I'm getting excited. It's, it's definitely almost ready for editing at this point. And it's definitely been a process. There's so much research in this book. It's ridiculous. (laughs) a lot of it's going to have to get refined down, but I'm excited because I think it's going to open up people's brains actually to, there's a lot of hidden medical, um, I don't want to say tyranny, but like there's a lot of hidden medical falsities. And so I'm excited because it's going to start opening people's 
brains, literally, <laughs> to being like, oh, wow, like, I've never heard that before. But also, here's the research as to why. Okay. Um, so I'm excited for that. I'm excited for people to actually get free in uh, their thoughts and their body and uh, to feel empowered to know how to help others. And who, who's the book for? What kind of a person would go, hey, I, I should pick this up? That's been the hard. That's that's been the part that's been harder to market because um, I think it's pretty applicable for for most anyone just because it's so dynamic. Um, but I'd say anyone who uh, is more open to alternative things um, or wants to level up in their life, wants to get um, answers to some difficult questions or symptoms or things that they've been dealing with. Um, and also on the flip side, it can be used for other types of physicians or doctors that may not know that these types of therapies exist and hopefully inspire them to start doing some of those modalities and things as well to help more of their patients as well. Well, that's, you know, you said alternative and that's one of the things that, that gets me. I, I hear people use the word traditional a lot and I've been mm-hmm. poking fun at, at folks who are using it because they'll say, well, this is the traditional way of doing things. And I'll think, okay, who's tradition? Mm-hmm. Because when you look at like the ascent of European nations, that's um, only a couple hundred, few hundred years old. Sure. So I remember getting a, a Chinese potion, we'll call it. Mm-hmm. But it was given me by this really cool acupuncturist and his wife would make it. And it was one of the greatest like little cocktails of, of feel good that ever had. And for them, that's totally. traditional, but it was a couple thousand years old. Yeah. We say alternative medicine when some of these things have been around for thousands of years. Absolutely. We call something traditional. It's been around for 50 years. So appreciate uh, what you're doing in terms of the work out there and helping people get a better grasp on their own personal health. And glad yeah. you uh, came by and want to do this again. It's the, the first official one. So oh, where can people find you, find your book, give yourself yeah, a plug? Sure. Uh, so I'm on Facebook and Instagram um, and on Twitter. So it's just Dr. Rachel Hamill. Uh, actually, I think it's Dr. Rachel. I switched it. Um, but I have a, a absolutely free blog and um, I also have a free ebook so people can sign up through that on my website, drrachelhamill.com. Um, and they can just reach out to me that way. That's awesome. And I guess because, I have one last question for you. <laughs> so you, you only exist in one place. You're here in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would somebody find someone like yourself? What kind of keywords would they type? I mean, how do they, let's say they live in Boise, Idaho, or St. George, Utah, or, you know, Alabama, <laughs> how are they going to find someone like you to start down this path of, of self-care and, and healing? Yeah, that's part of why I'm writing the book, is to bridge that gap. <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, like, the nutritional part that I do is actually genetic-based nutrition, and that can be done virtually, which is pretty cool. But we have um, a big group of actual genetic nutrition specialists, so people can uh, look for someone near them. Uh, it's called holistic methylation. So they can look up those types of practitioners. Um, they can also reach out to me and I can see if there's people within their community um, that I know. You know, there's not many craniopaths, but there are still some good physicians. Look for functional medicine doctors. Um, uh, if you are struggling or haven't found answers, just look for someone who's more open-minded to think and ask you more questions about what's going on. And uh, there's lots of resources out there. Well, 
Well, that is awesome. I know I said someone like you. There really is nobody <laughs> quite like you. So uh, thanks for stopping by. Yeah, thanks for, all thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's been a ton of fun. See, this is the real secret of life, to be completely engaged with the here and now. Everybody wants to fulfill the highest, truest expression of yourself. It was all a dream. Today is about the power of you. You've now entered the Human Dedic Podcast.